Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Parkinson's Recovery. This is Robert Rogers, and this is the place to be on Thursday mornings at 11 o'clock Pacific Time to get information and resources that can help you or your loved ones get relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. My interview today is with a remarkable woman. She is an international expert in nutrition and raw foods and how eating the right foods can make all the difference in whether or not you are balanced and in harmony or whether you have illness and symptoms like what we experience with Parkinson's disease. Durrett is an amazing individual, and I am honored to be able to say that when I edit the interviews, which are recorded previously, I always ask the question, are people going to get information from this particular show that they can take and run with and get relief from their symptoms? That is, will there be benefit if you hang in there and listen to the whole program to finding something that can benefit you genuinely and profoundly? I'm here to tell you, and this sounds like a rather outrageous promise, I can guarantee that you're going to find information from Durrett in this interview that if you take action on it will uh, result in a relief of whatever symptom or symptoms you might be wanting to address. She's got remarkable information, one suggestion after another. And the other amazing and exciting part of this particular show that I want to tell you in advance is these are suggestions and these are ideas that I really have not been exposed to before listening to Durrett's answers to these questions. So these are new ideas, uh, at least they were for me, and I think you'll discover that in listening to uh, her discussion uh, that she's got many perspectives, fresh perspectives, that can make a huge difference to anyone that's looking for ways to get relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. A very special guest today is Dorette, who is an international expert on raw foods and nutrition. Durrett really knows everything there is to know about how nutrition can help anyone with a chronic illness get well. Thank you so much for being with us today, Durrett. It's my pleasure, especially when it's, uh, you call it Parkinson's recovery and not Parkinson's disease or management. Right. <laughs> That's what it's, a, it's a whole different mindset, isn't it? <laughs> It, and that and that is exactly what it is because you know we're not Parkinson's, we're not the the ramifications or the manifestations of the tremors or the uh, tightness and the stiffness. That's not who we are. What, who we are is so beyond that. It's just an experience that is taking us to another higher level. And then there are many ways of recovering from the trauma of that. And I know that many people who have the experience of anything other than what is touted in the media as being what is acceptable, that there's a lot of depression and anxiety and guilt and shame involved. And I think that people have lost their way. And the whole idea of actually of me doing the Green Lifestyle Film Festival is to change the media and to, sh- to remind people of who the truth of who we are and that every experience is valid, every experience is crucial, and every experience is valuable. 
And I think we have so much to learn from anyone and everyone who has taken a path that is different from what is um, lauded and praised in the media and that we have accepted as norm, which is not norm. I think it's normal to have pain. Pain is, I see pain as weakness leaving the body. I don't see pain as something to be covered up. The question is how can we assist this pain in leaving in a smoother manner and releasing it in a way that would help us to release the reason behind the pain. If there's a reason to release it at all, sometimes we need to just acknowledge it and be there for our own growth. So food is one major aspect of it, but not by all means the only aspect. There are many different aspects, including surgery. And I, I personally, when I talk about food, I would like to make it very clear to you and the audience today, Robert, food to me means anything that nourishes us. So food means meditation. If people find that prayer is nourishing, then that's food. If caressing, if uh, massage, massaging ourselves, if water uh, on the body, meaning soaking in the bathtub of water or in a well in the spring or in the ocean or the sun, if that's nourishing to us, or the moon, the stars. As a child, I found the moon very nourishing to me. It was my major source of food was the moon. And today I still acknowledge it. So, you know, we are we're made up of five elements, and people forget that we are made up of these elements. And I believe very much that all forms of dis-ease, and it's not disease, but dis-ease, is simply an imbalance of those elements. And so the idea is to reestablish the balance of those elements at the appropriate time when we're ready to do so. Oh, that's because quite since, fascinating. Quite the fascinating. Since the, lack, since the lack of balance is important because that's what spurs our growth. And if we were in a place of balance all the time, balance means you're always moving back and forth from one point to another. It doesn't mean you get stuck in a certain place. That's not what balance means. <laughs> if you take a scale and you put something on it, let's say you put an orange on the scale to weigh how much it is, you'll see the scale goes back and forth. It doesn't just stop. It takes a while before it stops. The minute you remove the orange, it goes back and forth again. That's our lives. That's how we're meant to live our lives. And that's what balance is. It's it's that equilibrium of slight fine-tuning our lives and and remembering who we are, which is ever-changing, ever-fluctuating, which is what you see on the scale when you put the orange in, the fluctuations back and forth, in and out, until it stops pendulum is the same thing and it's interesting because pendulums are actually some of the things that I'm going to, suge- I'm going to suggest today that people use to see which food assists them at the moment because you know there's no food for Parkinson's sure there's food which helps re- help with tremors and stiffness and things like that and definitely for the brain there are foods that definitely will assist and we will talk about that but at the same but one of the best ways to but to know is that what works for you today the food might not work for you tomorrow because again the body is always adjusting itself you know looking for the proper equilibrium and it keeps changing according to what's showing up in our lives how much sleep we had through that night will depend on how what kind of food our body will respond to best the next day uh, just like it will depend on which people we will respond to best in our lives if we're lacking in sleep and which we will not it you know in what situations we will respond to in a much more favorable, favorable manner 
So what the pendulum, an actual pendulum, if you take that and you put it above the food, you will see, you know, if that food is meant to be there for you or not. So to find somebody who knows how to use a pendulum and they will, that's the best way really on a daily basis from day to day and from morning to night to know which food would serve you best right then and there is a pendulum. We used to know this. We used to, we used to know instinctively what foods are best first, just like animals in the wild. We've lost that just because we have so gone so far away from nature, which is why I call the book Celebrating Our Raw Nature, because we need to get back there. Well, when uh, many people may be wondering when you use the word pendulum, uh, what exactly you mean. They, pro- they may not have a pendulum. Can they use a tea bag with a string, or w- what do they need to get in order to be able to uh, test the food? There, you just go, you know, find out anywhere, anywhere that sends a pel- sells a pendulum, and if you go there, they will teach you how to use it. Just, you know, go online and find what's the closest place to you that has a pendulum. Oh, that's that's totally cool. Could you say a little bit about your background and how it is that you got involved in all the terribly exciting and interesting work that you're doing now? Uh, well, you know, I don't even really know where to start because to me I've always been interested. As a child when people were playing with toys, I never played with toys. <laughs> I thought they were absurd <laughs> because they were fake. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted the real thing. So I played with live babies. <laughs> I changed real faces diapers. <laughs> I fed real babies. I, I was known to move the furniture around in the house a lot because I didn't want a fake house, a fake tiny house. I never wanted anything that was false. I'm not the kind of person. Fortunately, you know, I was also raised not in the United States. So I was never I was never exposed to entertainment places. I was never exposed to amusement parks. And so up to today, I'm just shocked at them and I'm just stunned because I think it's a way of diverting ourselves away from the truth of who we are and it's temporary fixes and thrills and always seeking something else on the outside. And really and truly, we know everything. Every one of your listeners right now knows exactly what they need. The problem is the forgetting. And I did not forget as a child who I was, thank God. I don't know what went on in my past life, and it's not important. But I believe the last thought that we have when we leave our present life is most important because that determines how we will return. And so I'm pretty fascinated by last thought and first thought, also the first thought that we had when we experience life in this body, in this form, is just as crucial and that determines that is actually the theme for our lives. That's the mantra we use for our whole lives. That's why I suggest when I teach workshops and I teach people how to do it, is to retrain ourselves by retraining the first thought we have in the morning and the last thought we have at night. Because I do believe that those thoughts create a reality for us. And if you want to know what you really think, attention to your first thought in the morning and your last thought at night. Oh, those interesting. Are so my first thought, and I remember, I, I mean, the, the thought that kept recurring through my childhood is, adults must be nuts. <laughs> <laughs> my entire childhood was like, are they for real? Are these people for real? <laughs> because I saw them <laughs> doing things that just shocked me. And so I stayed true to myself, and I spent a lot of my time in the closet, virtually, literally in a closet, reading books. And I didn't read comic books. I was into geography and anything to do with food and nutrition, anything that showed illnesses. 
and natural ways, the food that was lacking. So I got very excited when I read about sea, people of the sea and sailors and how they were had they developed scurvy and how soon as they found an orange or lemon, how they healed themselves. I loved that. So every morning I'd get up and I would put lemon <laughs> what that would do so I was always interested because I believed then and I still do now although I'm further away from the truth of who I was then that we have everything that we need nothing is missing and that everything is here on the planet the problem is that for some reason Robert we seem to have decided that nature doesn't know best and we need to take go into a laboratory and manufacture food but anything that comes out of the laboratory, it's artificial chemicals, and the body sees all artificial, artificial chemicals as toxic. And I believe that part of the joy of manifesting and experiencing Parkinson's and the tremors that go along with it is that you become sensitized to toxic substances. And because of people experiencing Parkinson's, if they really speak out, to use their voices when it is working because some people, the tremors that happens in the throat or if they are able to write when they can, that they write their experiences of artificial toxins versus eating directly from the earth and nature and let it be known. I mean, you know, it's really interesting because I'm sure all of you have gone on these sites for Parkinson's disease. <laughs> it's a disease site. It's sort of well, nothing, nothing to do with the truth of who people are. And nobody is talking about the people. They talk about research on Parkinson's. Nothing about the people. Nothing about the person. It's that like the person that is not important doesn't exist. And it's like something is attacking somebody else. It's, I mean, it's attacking and it's the enemy. But it's an experience that people are having. And there's nothing, I don't see anything with food. And I'm, I, I want and I trust that this is not correct, what I'm saying, that I have, made anything, I have never seen anything about food in any of these sites or in any of these associations. And, and I'm shocked, <laughs> as I am shocked when I go to other, other places. You know, I go to, I, I, I'm asked to come and speak at these green and so-called so sustainable events and conferences and what they're serving for in the name of food is so shocking. <laughs> I thought, what is so sustainable about this? I'm not eating this. I would never put this in my mouth. And so I think that people who are experiencing Parkinson's have a very special voice that needs to be heard and to show the correlation between artificial chemicals and um, or food supply being thwarted and taken away from us and this push to industrialization and economic constraints about our food supply being the main issue of what kind of food we have and what we are, we are told is food. And so I think the importance of what you're doing today and other days is by teaching anyone who's willing to listen about food and why it's important. I wanted to speak something about food. And, and the five elements that I mentioned before. Any food, anything that's a food has to have five elements, and they must be in the proper ratio, the proper balance. And the first element, which I think everyone knows, is water. 
if food doesn't have, if the structure of food doesn't have water in it and sufficient water, you have a serious problem. Anybody does. And any, I believe very strongly that anyone who's experiencing Parkinson's has a severe, has severe dehydration. Because the brain, I don't know if people, I'm sure people are aware of this by now, a healthy brain anyway, it's made of 80% water. A healthy brain. And it's really interesting because brains are studied. The more dehydrates the brain, the more illnesses and the more the tremors and the more dysfunction in the body and the more disconnection between the motor skills or the, the nerves and what happens in the muscle. So anyone who wants to go raw, I strongly uh, discourage you from eating any dehydrated foods. That's definitely not the way to go. In fact, I don't call dehydrated foods raw because if it were raw, it would have the water element intact. That's simply a dehydrated food with enzymes there, but it's no longer a raw food. So I think anything that's called raw must have all the elements. So water, it must have fire, which means it must be cooked by the sun, the moon, and the stars. And so it could actually be cooked in a solar oven, too. You know, there's solar, I don't know if your audience knows, but there are solar ovens. Um, there are solar stoves, because I think people need to know about that. So the sun should be cooking the food directly. Of course, it cooks it when it's on the tree um, and not even in the ground. And so those are two of the elements, water, fire. And then the third element, everyone knows, of course, is earth. The earth, which means wood. Wood is really important, and metal, and those have to be part of that part of the earth, and those have to be in the food as well. And then the fourth element, of course, is air or wind, and that has to be part of the food. So that's why chlorophyll, that are rich in chlorophyll, are so beneficial for any anyone on earth, and specifically people who are experiencing Parkinson's or stroke or things like that. Um, anything with chlorophyll is green, so any green plants, anything that's green would be um, very beneficial, including E3 Live and Brain On. And by the way, the thing I most recommend to everyone in the Parkinson's community is Brain On. That's on my website. That information is on my website on the resources. Of all the things, I think it's the most important because it's a blue-green algae, but it goes further than that. It actually is one of the few things, and they've scientifically proven it, that it, go, it penetrates the blood-brain barrier, and there are very few things on Earth that does. Liquid zeolite might be something that might be helpful too, but we don't have enough time for liquid zeolite today, but another time maybe, because I want to go through all the elements and a lot of information. But the last element that we need would be, of course, um, air, so we did air, space, ether. Uh, that's really, really crucial and important. So if we do not have all these five elements valid in our whatever we're eating, each time we eat, every time we eat, we're going to have imbalance. And so the foods must be there. That, so all raw foods have all of these. And that's the difference between a raw food and a living food. So it must have water. Now, a healthy brain has 80% water, and you find that the more, the less water in the brain, the more illnesses and problems. And when somebody's dying, it's very easy to know because the, the water in the body drops below 50%, and that's, nobody can live with, with that, less, that, amount, with that little amount of water. So I'm not asking people to go out and drink a lot of water and over-drink water because that creates a problem as well. But to eat foods 
rich in moisture enough so people increase tremendously the water supply. You can actually see the water leaving from the pot as you're cooking it in the form of steam. It's like, goodbye, water. <laughs> people say, but there's... <laughs> <laughs> and people say, but there's water in the pot. No, that is not true. You know, you know the water that's in the plant is is the, exactly the ratio and the kind of water that that we need. This is Robert Rogers, and you're listening to my interview with uh, Dorette, who is an international expert on everything you need to know about nutrition and how eating nutritious food can bring you back into full balance and harmony. Direct discusses uh, water and its profound influence on our ability to uh, maintain health and wellness. John Coleman, who was uh, diagnosed with Parkinson's in the mid-90s but uh, has fully recovered, is a naturopath doctor and recommends that people uh, consider a homeopathic remedy for dehydration called the aquas. If you want more information about the aquas, visit www.aquas.us. And there's information there about this homeopathic remedy that addresses the issue of, uh, of uh, drinking uh, water and uh, being able to assimilate water uh, in every cell of the body. So it's a homeopathic uh, approach to the challenge of dehydration. We do uh, many services and we offer many programs for individuals with the symptoms of Parkinson's. Uh, I write books, I do uh, CDs, I do meditations, I have a member website, of course I have this radio program, we have blogs, uh, and so there's extensive information readily available to everyone through the Internet. And, of course, you can also purchase uh, the uh, paperback versions of the uh, books, The Road to Recovery from Parkinson's Disease, The Pioneers of Recovery, The Five Steps uh, to Recovery. But we also do in-the-flesh live programs, not many of them, but we do uh, actual programs where we convene together a critical group of individuals who are on the road to recovery from the symptoms of Parkinson's. Our next program will be in San Diego, California on October the 18th through the 20th. That starts Monday evening, October the 18th, and it ends on Wednesday at 5.30 in the afternoon. We will be there in the flesh. I need to let everyone know that these programs are very small and very intimate. I've had questions from people who've asked, well, how many people will be attending, 100, 200, 500, 800? The answer is we have a maximum limit of 25 individuals who have the symptoms of Parkinson's. So the programs are small. Obviously, they fill up. So if you're interested in joining with other individuals who are finding ways to get relief from their symptoms, I encourage you to register now for Jumpstart to Wellness. If for any reason you uh, have to cancel out, you uh, can get a full refund. That's not a problem at all. Uh, but I would encourage you to go ahead and sign up if you're interested in attending now because it's, uh, it's obvious that the program's going to fill up very, very quickly. Same thing happened in the uh, Parkinson's Recovery Cruise to Alaska. Filled up very quickly, and uh, after we were full, we were unable to take uh, any other uh, 
uh, individuals who wanted to sign on. So to get information about Jumpstart uh, to Wellness, uh, uh, you can go to the main website, which is Parkinson's Recovery. And to find that, all you really have to do on any search engine is to type in the word Parkinson's and then also the word recovery, and the top result in really uh, all search engines I've ever seen is uh, my website, which is parkinsonsrecovery.com. And you'll see on that main page there's a, a picture that uh, is uh, – coexistent with the word jumpstart. Just just uh, click on the picture. It'll take you to the jumpstart page with lots of explanation about what's involved, what we do, how to register, how to get help with plane reservations through the Twin Harbors uh, travel uh, service and Truckee Robertson, etc., etc. So that's how you can get information about jumpstart to wellness and go ahead and uh, sign up and register. Uh, because of the limited number of individuals, it really is a, a small program. And although you obviously get a chance to uh, connect uh, with me and and uh, find out more about the kind of things that I'm doing. The truth is that the real value, I think, of being able to participate in the program is to uh, connect with other individuals uh, who uh, you can share uh, your own experience but also find out from them what they're doing to get relief from uh, the symptoms of Parkinson's. Now back to the second segment of my most fascinating interview with Durrett. And then the last most important thing, because I wanted to say these before we, we finish today at any point, is fat. I, I, most people don't realize that um, the right kind of fat is crucial for the brain because the brain, again, is made up of a total, a healthy brain. is made up of a total of 60% fat, which includes saturated fat and cholesterol. It's, it's really interesting because a lot of people think, I've got to stay away from fat, I've got to stay away from fat. Well, it depends on the kind of fat. So there are some fats that our brains need to function normally. And 20% of the brain fat should be made up of essential fatty acids or in omega-3 and 6. And these two essential fatty acids are important. Why? Because it's not being made within your body. So you need to make sure that you're getting them from your diet. So if you're going to be eating things that most people know that omega-3s and 6s are in fish, if you're going to be eating fish, then you really must make sure that the fish that you are eating, um, you keep the skin on because most of the fat is actually right under the skin. And if you eat fish without the skin on, you're not getting it. But the main source of fat and the one that I'm recommending today more than anything else to your members and audience is hemp. H-E-M-P, plentiful in Canada. It's a North American food. It's also a winter food. And because I believe in eating seasonally, that is something which you cannot get enough of. You know, most oil seeds contain plenty of linoleic acid, which is an essential fatty acid called EFA for short, from the omega-6 family. Yet, they offer little alpha-linoleic acid, which is ALA other EFA from the omega-3 family. So it's interesting because I hear a lot of people saying you ought to eat flax, you ought to eat flax, which, by the way, I do not recommend unless it's sprouted and ground because flax is not meant for the human digestive system. That's why a lot of people have problems with it. If it's sprouted and ground, then that's different, yes. It, it becomes much more digestible, but why force yourself, especially if experience in Parkinson's, to put more strain on your digestive system? So hemp, though is totally different because it has a proper ratio of the omega-6 and 3 
And so, and humans should definitely ingest these EFAs in an omega-6 and omega-3 ratio of about 4 to 1. Um, now, what we, most of us probably don't know is that what, you know, most Western diets typically have omega-6, omega-3 ratios of 10 to 1 or more, which is far too rich in omega-6 and correspondingly too deficient in omega-3. And that's the problem. Whereas if you do eat, eat hemp, you automatically have that proper 4 to 1 ratio. So that is very, very important to know. And, and hemp can be used in so many different ways, and most people find it delicious, which is important because, you know, if you already feel you're, you're suffering, the last thing you want to do is feel that you don't enjoy the food as well. So by definition, these uh, hemp foods um, really contain the whole hemp seeds or the oil. That's what I'm talking about. So the nut would be a hemp, uh, a whole seed, or it could be in the form of a flower, which is ground, like a ground seed cake or in the form of the oil as well derived from the seeds. So I'm going to, uh, so for some example of the currently available hemp food products, right now I see a lot of things on the supermarket shelves that include salad dressing, nutrition bars. They have, you know, they're dehydrated, most of them. They're cooked and dehydrated. and They don't have the ele- their five elements intact. But I see, anyhow, I'm seeing a lot more hemp showing up in breads and cookies and granola, even waffles and nut butters. So raw hemp nut butter would be fantastic. I, I even see them in chips and pastas and frozen desserts. And of course, <laughs> it's amazing. You know, some, some, as soon as somebody finds something that's healthy, they find a way to make it unhealthy and put it in these things so these things will still sell. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it's just about making money. But in any case, you can get it in cold pressed oil, oil supplements if you're traveling. And, you know, and what I love about the hemp oil is that it's not like flaxseed oil where gets rancid very fast and it has to be refrigerated. I really love that about it because, you know, you can then have it for a little longer time if you're trapping with it. So, so hemp comes in many different ways. You can make hemp burgers, um, whether raw or cooked. And I'm really suggest to your audience today, if they, you know, if they find that they're living right now in a winter zone and there's just no way they can eat a, a large degree of foods that are raw, that at least if when you're cooking it that you get a crock pot and you do some slow cooking with the cover on so you do not lose most of the nutrients of the food. So um, are we open to questions from people? Yes, we are. And I just want to say that was uh, quite fascinating for me. Uh, We have a question from Annie who is from Vancouver, actually a set of questions. She says, I love raw foods, but also like warm or hot food in the winter. For maximum benefit, do I need to eat all raw food? Not a, well, I don't know, Annie. Here's the thing. Um, I was invited to the International Living Food Summit at Hippocrates Institute in West Palm Beach two years ago, and we have another summit coming up next year. And the whole idea is to create guidelines for the raw community and the living foods community. These guidelines, my intention is going there, it's to create, you know, the, the pyramid, the food pyramid. The food pyramid the United States have is unbelievably unrealistic and, and has nothing to do with food and what we need to be eating. The Canadian food pyramid is actually much better, and you can find it if you go to Udo's, it's actually in my book, the first book. That book now is only available at some uh, bookstores. 
health, uh, natural food stores, and also it's on my website. So the first set of, there are two books with the same name, very silly from the publishers, but what can I tell you? That's what publishers do. It's celebrating our raw nature, and that is the one with the hard cover. That's with the ring binders. And that one has, you know, all of that information in there. But they, of the food pyramid from Canada, which is a really good, because it tells you a food pyramid should be just guidelines. And the Canadian food pyramid is if you're healthy, there's one for when you're healthier, one for if you're feeling sick, one if you're an athlete. So it covers, you know, where you are in your life at the time. But my intention of accepting the invitation to go to the International Living Foods Leadership Summit was to create food pyramids according to what's going on for people, although that can change also, just as guidelines only. So just as a guideline for Annie and anybody else who has that kind of question, one of the things that came up at the summit was a lot of research has been done in the raw community, and I see articles going, there's been no research done, so this is all conjecture. That's not true. There is research done. It's just the person who was writing the article had no idea about it. And, if, and it's almost as if they don't know, then there could not be any. <laughs> so uh, it's very interesting. Instead of saying, not as, as far as I know, but there is a lot of research, especially in Sweden. Sweden actually has a lot of community in the world, and that's a very cold climate. And I know because I've been to Sweden. And they have done a lot of research, and it shows that most people, majority of people, will benefit from an 80% raw diet, just as much as if they were eating 100%. For me, that doesn't work. For some reason, I need 100%, and I don't know why. And I believe that when you're very healthy, you do not need to eat 100%. So I feel that I'm not at my healthiest. I'm not functioning at my healthiest. I think it also depends, too, on your own vibrational level. If you're functioning at a higher vibrational level, all your foods, do, you, you can convert some of the cooked foods, whatever you lost, by your own vibration into a higher vibration. So obviously my vibration level is when I, I'm not able to eat cooked food, when I eat and I feel ill, it's because I'm, fun, I'm functioning at a much lower vibration at the time, which means if I'm traveling a lot and on a plane a lot, I should not be eating cooked food. I need only raw then because I need food that will help me to maintain my vibrational level because when you're tired, you're lacking sleep and you're traveling in an airplane, your vibrational level is going to definitely decrease. And so I, d I think it depends on that, Annie. It also depends on what's right for you. Some people I find just adding 20% of raw foods on their plate or throughout the day has a huge effect. Some people it's more. Some people it's 30, 35, 37, 38. Some people it's 50, 52. It, you have to see what works for you. These are simply guidelines. Like I said before, you know everything. You've just forgotten I called, there's a chapter in the new book I'm writing, Recipes for Life, which I call The Remembrance, of teaching people how to remember what they already know. Once we remember who we are, we do enough meditation, we will know. But also, Annie, and for everybody else listening, when we talk about raw foods, I, I remember I told you at the beginning that for me, foods mean anything that nurture us. So if you're living in a colder climate right now, and the actual meal that you're taking is not entirely raw, you might want to do some other raw things, introduce some other raw things into your life. So, for example, oils. I don't know if people know this. There are different ways of taking food and nourishment and nutrient and healing into the body. And I, I, in Ayurvedic medicine, I strongly suggest that 
um, those who are listening, um, I, I studied Ayurvedic medicine with Deepak Chopra. I teach with Deepak Chopra. And um, I don't know if people know that herbs can be actually taken through the nostrils, through the nose. In the Ayurvedic medicine, it's called nasa. So one of the, and I'm not advocating this, but I'm just giving you some information. One of the best ways to bring the effect of herbs into the brain and nervous system, which is crucial for those experiencing uh, Parkinson's, is to apply them through the nose. And there are several ways to do this. One is aromatherapy and incense. And we can discuss it another time because I love aromatherapy and I said that for a long time. Second one is application of oils to the nose. You, have, you need to know what you're doing, of course. And if we have time, do we have time, Robert, for me to go into that a little de- in a little detail? Sure. So, for example, sesame oil can be put into the nose. This is a very calming and nurturing action. Or ghee. For those who know, don't know ghee, it's um, purified butter. It's, and it's used a lot in India and it's certainly used a lot in Ayurvedic medicine. And, and so ghee is especially good for soothing the nerves and for countering allergies. Uh, coconut can be used also in a similar manner. So you, one, would, one would simply apply a few drops of these oils with an eyedropper, which you can get just from about anywhere now, um, while the head, you apply it while the head is tilted. Or you just put some oil on the tip of your little finger and apply it gently inside the nose. But I don't mean to stick your nose, wet, your hand all the way up in the nose, just at the, you know, the front, the, where it flares out. And snuff, you make a snuff of the powder of various herbs. So snuff used to be used many centuries ago a lot. And so you can make a snuff of calamus powder, which is spelled C-A-L-A-M-U-S. And this is one of the best ways to open the head and sinuses and stimulate blood flow to the brain. And and this will actually bring about greater acuity to the voice and the uh, senses. Or you can also put some of the powdered herb on the outside of the index finger and inhale it while you close, of course, closing the opposite nostril with the finger of the other hand. And then there's massage. Um, I, sesame oil is used a lot in Ayurvedic medicine to massage the body. This is, it's called Abhyanga. It's very in, in big in Ayurvedic medicine. Um, Ayurvedic therapy not only is it for physical but also for the psychological conditions. Which, which we find in Parkinson's, a lot of people getting depressed and having nervous, you know, anxiety. So oil massage is very calming to the mind and nurturing to the heart. It's also strengthening to the bones and nerves. And this ought to be done on a daily basis right after you have your bath. So this is one of the ways. This is another way you can apply food, which is this oil, sesame oil or almond oil. Almond is great for people with Parkinson's, by the way. Um, this is that you can supply it into your body without having to digest and eat it, especially if the digestive system is off that day. Just make yourself a massage with the oils. And everybody after a shower bath should really get an oil massage on a regular basis every day, and especially anybody, but especially if you are um, experiencing Parkinson's. And you definitely should use them as part of your treatment, and that's one of the ways to get those foods into your body. The oil should always be applied warm, though, and they should be left on for some time uh, for proper absorption, just like the food needs to stay into you in your digestive system for proper absorption. Remember, the skin is our largest organ, and we'll take it in. Afterwards, when you apply the oil, one can always take a shower or steam bath to remove the excess oil if you want to, but keep it on for at least 
15 minutes to half an hour. And to make this easier, apply a powder like calamus to absorb the excess oil and then rub off the powder if you wish to. So you can use sesame oil, coconut oil, mustard oil. Um, sesame oil is specific for lowering um, increased uh, toxins in the body or if you find that you're very stimulated and you're very frantic. Um, it is very grounding oil. The sesame oil is very grounding and nurturing to the mind. Uh, it can also be applied to the head, which is a great idea, to the hair, uh, the back or the feet in order to help calm the nerves as well, particularly in the evening before going to bed, I would do that. And again, this oil can be left on for at least 15 minutes if you don't wish to keep it on and then washed off during a warm shower. And for all people suffering from pain and anxiety, regular sesame oil massage is a must. It is a must, much better than actually eating it, you know, in your foods. Then we have coconut oil which is, and you're going to hear a lot of nonsense about coconut oil not being great for us, but it's not true. Uh, coconut oil, and I'm talking about raw coconut oil, of course, uh, is specific for lowering um, certain conditions. It is cooling and calming to the mind, and especially to the nerves and the skin. So there are certain herbs, particular herb called Brahmi, also known as, as Gotukola, G-O-T-U, and then a separate word, K-O-L-A, that can be prepared with this coconut oil as well. And then they can be applied to the head, the hair, and the sensory openings like the ear, drums, and the nostrils, as well as used as a general massage oil. And then there's mustard oil. Now, mustard oil, you have to be careful. You've got to be organic mustard oil. It can actually be toxic if it's not organic. So I really want to stress that it must be organic mustard oil. And it is very warming and stimulating and improves circulation. It particularly helps clear the channels of the lungs and the head, and it's good for mental dullness and depression. Excellent for that. It's used a lot in India for that. And it can be used as a general massage oil or massage to cover uh, regions like the lungs, especially in the winter time. That's a great idea. So for those of you who say, I, I, I'm trying to eat these raw foods, but I'm just too cold, this is what you do instead. You know, warm the oils and use them on your skin as you eat the food raw inside of you. And the most important part is to eat food well. This is Robert Rogers, and this is Parkinson's Recovery. You are listening to my pre-recorded interview with Dorette. We are coming up with a, uh, a entirely new program called the Parkinson's Recovery Magazine. It will come out every month and will have articles from many of the individuals that you've heard on my radio programs. Magazine will be free, but you will have to subscribe to it since we don't want to send it to anyone who has not asked for it. So uh, be on the lookout for my call for anybody who'd like to subscribe because it's coming soon. We're about to make our uh, first issue public this month. Uh, so Parkinson's Recovery Magazine is soon to be here and soon to arrive. And second of all, in our future program, I've got a, a truly exciting guest, uh, Dr. Lori Mishley, who is a naturopath uh, physician in Seattle, Washington, will be my guest. 
She specializes in her practice with uh, helping individuals with neurological conditions and specifically with Parkinson's disease. Dr. Meshley is also a principal investigator for a study which is investigating a nasal application of glutathione, uh, which is showing promising results. She has, I want to say, fascinating things to offer individuals who are looking for ways to get relief from their symptoms, and she has just released her new book, Natural Therapies for Parkinson's Disease. So look for the announcement of my interview soon to come and my uh, radio program soon to air, my interview with this most remarkable naturopath doctor who I think is at the cutting edge of discovering many new ways that people can get relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. Again, uh, if you'd like to attend Jumpstart, just as a reminder, uh, go to the main parkinsonsrecovery.com website, which is uh, parkinsonsrecovery.com. You'll see the Jumpstart icon. Click on that, and you'll get all the details that you need about our San Diego Jumpstart to Wellness program, which will be offered on uh, October the 18th through uh, October the 20th. Now back to my interview with Durrett. Does it matter if the raw food is organic? Yes, of course, especially if you're experiencing Parkinson's. You don't want it to put any herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, or all those sides which create suicide in your body at all. <laughs> no. And that's a perfect recipe for suicide. Not at all. This is way too toxic. My goodness. <laughs> Annie, from, Annie from Vancouver also asked, how can I avoid gas from raw veggies like broccoli? Uh, broccoli and raw vegetables do not give you gas. I repeat this. Real food, raw foods do not give you gas. The gas is already present in you. It is releasing what is already there. So, But if you don't want to release a lot of it at once, chew it very well. Because it could be that you're not chewing it too. If you're getting gas because you eat it or not from gas that's already there, it's simply because you're not chewing it well. Remember, it's a cruciferous broccoli and all the cruciferous vegetables need to be chewed. The mouth is a blender. I find that most people who suffer from any kind of dis-ease or affliction of the nervous system do properly at all and bypass the mouth in the digestive process. But all the digestion begins in the mouth. The mouth is your blender. Food needs to be liquid when it goes down the throat. So food actually needs to be chewed. There was a gentleman called Fletcher who did a lot of experiment with chewing Food, and he found that if food is chewed 50 times, five zero times in the mouth, then the digestion is at its optimum. And I think anybody experiencing Parkinson's has to improve the digestion. Once they do so, they are going to be shocked to see the results. Uh, so 50 times you chew everything, which means you're not able to eat a lot during the day, but boy, do you get a lot of nutrients. The reason why we overeat is because we're not chewing well and we're getting very few of the nutrients. When you chew 50 times each morsel you put in your mouth, you cannot eat a full plate. It will take you all day. So just small amounts, and that's why blended foods and juicing is highly recommended for everyone who's experiencing um, any kind of ailments at all, but specifically Parkinson's. And also, I, for Annie as well, a great way to get a lot of raw foods in your diet during the winter 
is I actually to juice and do blended drinks. And th- that's why my book has a huge, an entire recipe just on liquid meals, specifically for people with illnesses like Parkinson's and whose digestive systems are shot, and for people right after surgery, and it has another chapter on beverages because these are the most healing to the body. The body doesn't have to work very much, and you don't have to work very much in chewing, especially when you're feeling irritated and tired and exhausted and depressed. You don't want to sit down there and chew, chew, chew. <laughs> then you blend, 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 and <laughs> juice, juice, juice. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a great way to have cruciferous vegetables is to juice and blend them. And then you don't have that anymore because most of it. But remember, just because it's blended or juiced, if it's a liquid form, that doesn't mean you throw it in your mouth. You eat some. You eat your soups and your liquids. You keep it in your mouth long enough so the tylen, which is in the saliva, will digest all the starches and the sugar. There's no place else in the body once it leaves your mouth that it can't digest it. So it must be digested in the mouth. Also, when you're eating, do not open your mouth and do not talk with your mouth opened and you will not get gas. What is the best way to clean raw veggies, Annie also asks. Oh, Annie, you've got lots of questions. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a Japanese brush, the Japanese vegetable brush, and it, I talk about it in the book and I don't remember the name of it now. In the first book I talk about it. Most of this information I'm giving is in the first book. The second book, or most of it was edited out by the the editor. Um, it just has a lot of recipes. The second book has great recipes, but the first one has a lot of information. So the, the, there's a special vegetable brush, a Japanese vegetable brush. If you go online to Gold Mine Natural Foods, G-O-L-D-M-I-N-E, like it's a gold mine, because you will find that natural vegetable. It's a bristle brush, a special brush, and just make sure the water is clean. And in Vancouver, and I love Vancouver, you definitely have clean water. So you can do that. I, who live right now in Los Angeles, I would have to have I have to ha- have purification on my, my in my kitchen sink to wash my fruits and vegetables. And if it's organic, that's all you already need, and just scrub it thoroughly, and that's it. Or if you're doing green leafy vegetables like kale and colored greens, be very careful with kale. Everybody listening to me right now, be very careful with kale. It's one of the best food sources there is, but especially in the summer. Take a microscope, and I'm serious, you know, one of those microscopes you can hold in your hand that you can get at bookstores, and look through the kale leaf because you'll find that there are a lot of friendly creatures who are very friendly and necessary to, uh, you know, part of the elements. I talk the earth element, and they're necessary for the plant, but not necessary in our stomachs and in our system. So you might find uh, little varmints there, little, you know, parasites that, effects that you do not want to swallow, and especially their eggs. They tend to lay their larvae there in between the leaves, and so you want to make sure that you soak that in cold water in a bowl or beforehand, and then you throw it away, and you might want to do a second or third soaking, especially in the summer when they really tend to reproduce a lot, and brush it afterwards. Use the brush afterwards. Annie's last question is, what experience <laughs> have you had with people with Parkinson's who switch to raw foods? You know what? I do not put people in categories to say, you have Parkinson's, you have asthma, you have gout. I just see people as people. So I really, Annie, cannot answer your question and say, I have seen 10% or 90% people. I really do do not, once a person says to me, I have this illness or that illness, I dismiss it. Because all illness is the same. It's a disconnection with the truth of who we are. 
And that's all I see, so I don't remember the illness, what the name of the illness that we've meted out to the person afterwards. Also, I don't see the person as ill. I just see whatever it is, this so-called illness is showing up as an opportunity for their own evolution. And so all I focus on is how can I assist this person evolving by evolving in a greater, at a greater speed my own self and then imparting that knowledge. So I cannot answer that with a, with a number. Faye from Woodstock, Canada has a question which you've actually already answered in part. Uh, she says, are there any books on raw foods that you would recommend? Yes, Rio's. Rio's, Rio R-H-I-O. She has a book called Hooked on Raw, H-O-O-K-E-D, Hooked on Raw. And she just came up with a DVD. She just sent it to us for the Green Lifestyle Film Festival. We've got amazing films there, by the way, which are very healing. If anybody... So this film, once we showed it at the film festival, will be available on DVDs. Afterwards, her new um, DVD that will be released after the film festival is about, oh, I don't remember the name now because we just got it in to the film festival, but it's about alternatives to dairy, raw vegan alternatives to dairy. And it's an amazing, she's an amazing, amazing chef, Rio. And she does have a website that supports anybody and everybody in raw foods. And I don't remember the name of it, but it's, you can see the link on our website as well. Linda from Toronto asks, what about sushi? Well, what about it, Linda? What do you mean by sushi? I think most people, when they mean sushi, they're talking about raw meat, I mean raw fish. I am raw vegan, so you're speaking to the wrong person if you mean that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to address you from a raw vegan perspective. I make sushi in the in the in both books, um, celebrating our own nature books. I do have recipes for sushi there, which are very extremely popular. Obviously, they're raw vegan sushi. I, I think people don't in the in Western society forget that sushi doesn't necessarily mean raw fish. If you go to Japan, you yes, you will see a lot of it with raw fish, but not all of it with raw fish. You can make it without the raw fish as well. I personally, if I'm experiencing any kind of illness, and especially Parkinson's, I would not eat raw meat, raw dairy, or raw fish. Now, it might help you, and if it does, fine. I'm just saying I wouldn't because of the possibility of parasites, which is the last thing your nervous system needs is to be attacked by parasites. You're probably already being attacked, which is why you're experiencing Parkinson's. Might be. So I would not recommend that. Raw vegan sushi? Absolutely. Uh, Ed from Huntsville, Ontario, Canada, uh, says the following, and I'm going to uh, to read you the whole uh, entry. Uh, Hi, what would you recommend for gaining weight? I eat raw foods as much as possible. I am 68 years old, 5 feet 11 inches, and weigh 123 pounds. All tests, including a colonoscopy, uh, colonoscopy, are normal. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 1996. No one seems to be able to help with this problem. Just because you had a colonoscopy doesn't mean everything is okay. Colonoscopy doesn't show anything that's going on in the entire digestive tract. You might, and it sounds to me very strongly, that you might have parasites, or maybe just one, or a whole colony. You might have an infestation. I am not sure, but you just might. Uh, 
have that checked, go to somebody who specializes in parasites and have that checked for sure. And I would also check your um, iodine levels and your uh, your thyroid as well. And also um, exercise would be fabulous for you, specifically anything that's weight-bearing, such as weightlifting to help bulk you up. That might also help, but if you have parasites, it will not help. It's the only thing for parasites to get rid of them. Um, you might have mercury poisoning in your mouth. Now, I, I know that in, I think it's all provinces in Canada. I just got that from Canada, and I know for sure in Alberta, I think Ontario and Quebec too, so maybe all the provinces in Canada, that you can get the mercury taken out of your teeth free of charge through your national health care. So I do not see any excuse for any Canadian to keep mercury in their mouth at all. So you might want to check on that too. Or maybe if you did have mercury poison from past mercury in your teeth, maybe you're still suffering from it, and so you need to check your mercury level or any fatal poisoning as well. I would definitely have that checked by somebody who's competent. That also suggests a live blood cell analysis to see what's going on in your body as well. Can I also suggest to Ed, please, um, that he also eat much a lot more almonds, because I told you almonds are very good, are great for um, people experiencing Parkinson's or any kind of tremors. So eat a lot more nuts and seeds. Like a sesame is also great for people experiencing Parkinson's, by the way, and so it's pumpkin seeds and sunflower seeds. Eat a lot more seeds and nuts, a lot more Brazil nuts, the fatty ones, a lot more of that stuff. Now I'm finished with that. Thank you. Uh, on to uh, Toby from uh, Boston. Uh, she says, I was eating raw food, but once the winter set in, it became a problem and was not satisfying. I am now eating macrobiotic, and I must say, I feel good. I know keeping hydrated is important for Parkinson's, and dehydrating the food I felt was not good. I still make my wheatgrass. Both are extremely healthy. Is there a difference for Parkinson's? A difference in what for Parkinson's? Between macrobiotic, I think, and raw food is what she's asking. You remember, though, Toby, you're a person, not an illness. So I don't know. The question is not if it's better for Parkinson's, but if it's better for you. Like I said at the very beginning, Parkinson's is not who you are. It's not a death sentence. It's not who you are. It's just an these are just experiences, and we need them. We grow tremendously from them. So it's not what is better for Parkinson's, but whether it is better for you. That's who you are. So if you find that you benefit mostly from macrobiotics, absolutely that's what you ought to do. You know, in Ayurvedic medicine, there are different doshas, constitutions, and we need to eat according to our doshas. And obviously, if you find this works for you, obviously it's much more beneficial than raw foods. But in the summer, you might find that you will need to go back to mainly raw. Now, what macrobiotic has that might be really helping you a lot and would help anybody within this community of yours, Robert, would be sea vegetables, seaweeds, especially kelp. Um, there are so many seaweeds that would be beneficial, and that might be what is really assisting Toby a lot. I have several questions that uh, really uh, are combining uh, concerns that several people have. How does a person who is used to eating meat and potatoes every day adjust <laughs> to eating raw foods? How do they do it? You have to be ready to give up your comfort zone and what you're used to. It's only a habit. A habit is all that it is. It is not about who you are. 
you are not meat. You become meat and potatoes because that's what your body is. Whatever you eat, you become. <laughs> but I'm telling you right now, and it's not just because I'm vegan that I'm telling you this. But if you want to heal and use Parkinson's as a gift to heal all of yourself, you might have to look at the habit on the addiction to meat and potatoes because that's not meal. That is not food. Food comes straight from the earth. Now, I do believe very strongly that if you do as the Native Americans did way long ago and you bless the animal, you live with it, or you, you know, it's the coming through and there's a buffalo herd coming through, you do your dances and you praise it and you ask ask its permission before it comes and then when you do slay it that you do it yourself and that it's done in a ritualistic manner and that you use the entire animal and you have dances and blessings right afterwards and that you, you there's, a, there's a, a transfer, there's a equal transfer of energy between you and the animal. That's healing. That's very healing. There, there's there, nothing is owed. There's no debts incurred. But when you eat body parts and there's no connection to the animal, you incur a deep debt, huge debt to several different animals. Then many, then keep eating over your lifetime, and it, that unconscious way of being in the world does show back, show up in, as illness and diseases. And it's not a, it's not a punishment at all. It's just the karmic nature that every thing we do creates. And kind, and so that's a huge debt that one owes to the animals. And the more debt that we're in, is the more deprived that we feel that we are. And so, if you wanted to, you know, raise the animal yourself and ask it permission, if it does give its permission, and you take part in the slaughter and in the ble- and use it as a blessing and bless the animal in return, I think you will be blessed, and the animal blesses you and it gives it itself to you. And there's that that natural recurring of giving and taking between you and the animals, then I, that's then fine, then go ahead with your meat, but definitely not the potatoes. Now, potatoes is another matter altogether. But white potatoes, you should not be eating. It's rather toxic. White potatoes are rather toxic, and you certainly should not be eating uh, white potatoes at all. You might want to change over to mashed um, cauliflower or jicama instead. And because it's winter, then I would say cauliflower at this point. In the summer, definitely jicama and mash that instead and to help you get get off the potatoes. Please let me make something very clear to everyone here. You cannot eat raw foods if you are not willing to become raw yourself. In other words, you cannot change a habit overnight just by changing one aspect of the habit because with a habit, what we've done is built everything around it in our life, everything around it to support that habit which means you're going to have to change everything in your life to support the new habit. It won't happen. It means you're going to have to give up most of your meat and potato friends and create raw food friends or vegan or vegetarian friends. It means that you're going to have to find uh, new tools and ways of being in the world, and your emotions will have to become raw. It means you, don't, you cannot live in your comfort zone anymore, and you no, you no longer you, you run towards fear that rather than run away from it. That you confront all your fears, you see that there are gifts in them. You confront them, you make friends with them, and then that's how they get released. You have to magnify that which you fear. The you have to become totally willing to give up everything for the truth of who you are. That's what you either you do that or you live with what what it is that you 
wish to live with. But it's, it's about acceptance. If you wish to eat a meat and potatoes diet, then accept that your life will reflect that and be okay with that. But if you wish to move beyond that and that's not where you wish to be, then you're going to have to change that. But it's not enough just to change the food. But you have to change everything around that supports that lifestyle. Because a habit is supported by everything else in your life. You have to have, you built a whole structure around that habit. That's why it's so hard to give it up. You have to give up the rest that stuff that supports it first. What evidence is there uh, out in the universe that eating raw foods really does give relief for symptoms of chronic diseases like Parkinson's? You need to try it for yourself. The evidence is within. It's only when you try it, but I don't mean try it with all this dread and fear and I can't stand this, I miss my, miss my burger. If you do it that way, you won't see the results. But if you try it with an open heart, an open mind, and an open body, the evidence lies within your own experience. Do not go according to what somebody else tells you. Just because you see somebody else healing from something else that, and you did not, you did the exact same thing that they did and you did not heal, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. That's their path and that's their soul's journey. Your soul's journey is different. And by the way, I don't believe it was the exact same thing because it means that their mindset was different from yours. You were not ready for it. And it's okay not to be because that is your soul's journey. Accept it. Acceptance is what we need. Acceptance creates self-love. You cannot jump from non-acceptance and rigidity to self-love. And self-love is where all healing lies. Here's a quote for you. It takes so much time to prepare raw foods. I am (laughs) not so sure I have the time necessary to cook raw foods. You can't cook a raw food. <laughs> the minute you cook it, it's no longer raw. It becomes a food. <laughs> and by the way, I'm glad that whoever said this said it because this is important. So many people say it and they're not aware of what they're saying. You cannot cook a raw food. A food, and you cannot make raw food. The earth, the stars, the moon, all the five elements, water, air, space, it is all made it for you already. A raw food comes straight from the earth. You don't have, you don't have to prepare raw foods. If you're preparing it, what you're preparing is gourmet living foods. There's a difference between raw foods and living foods. If you're preparing it, it means you're processing it. It's no longer raw. If you have to put it in a blender or in a dehydrator or in a food processor, you're processing the food. It is no longer raw. And if you want gourmet foods that mimic cooked foods, Yes, that's what you need to do, or you find a service or a chef that makes the food for you. For Like today, I'm making food for people. This is my one break today, and people are picking up food for me this evening because that's what I do for people here in, L- in L.A. when I am in L.A. So that's what you need to do then, or go to certain co-ops and certain natural food stores do have prepackaged uh, gourmet living foods, but remember, that's not raw. A raw food, you pick it from the tree, or in these days, you can purchase it from a farmer's market, a co-op, or a CSA, a community support agriculture um, program, or you can buy it in the marketplace, uh, you know, and that's an apple, a banana, it's just lettuce, tomatoes, whatever, that's what's raw, you don't have to prepare it, it's already there. You might have to chop it up to make it into a salad, but most places you have prepackaged salads now, too. 
if, if you find it difficult because you're resisting it, you don't, you're not ready for it, then it's okay. Then just don't be ready for it and don't do it. The quickest thing I said is to juice, though. And there's so many places now that are juicing that if you don't want to clean it up, you don't want to clean the vegetables nor clean it up. And by the way, if you're cooking, you've got much more cleaning up to do, let me tell you. And, on, and all those fried things that you have to, and all that greasy pots and pans, you don't have that in, if you're doing uh, gourmet living foods. But if you want to go and just buy your juices, uh, that's fine. And um, before this, it was Toby who had said that uh, she's still doing wheatgrass. Then you might just, you know, want to grass your diet and that's all you want to add. Or the Brain On or E3 Live, which I mentioned earlier. Some people find that just by doing that, they see a remarkable uh, difference. Having listened to this fascinating discussion, there will be some people who've never really experimented with raw food dishes before, but who will be motivated. Is there any particular recipe or dish that you that comes to mind that you would recommend that they start with? Just eat the food as it is. Just make a salad, your usual salad um, in the book that in the two books that I, that I where I created those recipes, those recipes are, you'll find very easy things in there. You know, if you make the dressing beforehand and you make a bottle of dressing for the next two to three days, all you have to do is just put the lettuce in, put the wheat, put, put, and I use a lot of things in there that most other books do not use, like uh, things that are very good for people in the Parkinson's community, by the way, um, meaning green vegetables that are usually underutilized and, and you just chop them up and put them in there. You, you don't have to chop them up. You just break them. You twist, you break, you throw it into the bowl, you put your dressing over it, and voila, there you are. And a dressing is simple. You can just means oil, hemp seed oil would be perfect, actually, and just some um, uh, Celtic sea salt. It must be either. And by the way, let me just talk about salt right now because salt doesn't mean the thing that most people use in, West, in, in North America on their dining table that is killing us, that's poison. I'm talking about pure, unleached, unprocessed, solar harvested Celtic sea salt. The three salts that are highest in moisture and minerals, and moisture and minerals are first Hawaiian sea salt, which is available through Selena, Selena's naturally. Um, Celtic sea salt, then, no, I'm sorry, it's Hawaiian sea salt, then Portuguese sea salt, then the third one would be Celtic sea salt. Those are the highest in minerals and moisture, and also they are solar. And they're available from the Grain and Salt Society or Salinas Naturally. And I talk about those in the book as well. Those are really what, what I recommend. So a little, a little salt and um, some hemp seed oil and maybe some lime juice. Or in the book I talk a lot about um, omoboshi vinegar. And those of you who are macrobiotic will know what I'm talking about there. Or if you have apple cider vinegar, and Canada has the best apple cider vinegar, by the way. And, you, and it comes in a, a bottle that's dark and that you cannot see through, which is really great, which is what it should, how it, how it ought to be anyway. And then you just, that's your dressing right there. You don't need something complicated at all. Here's a quote for you. I really have a distaste for eating raw foods in the winter. Raw foods, by their nature, are cold and I am cold no. enough in the wintertime. No, they're, they're, they're warming foods. It's because you don't know your food, your food source. There are many warming foods. Plus, if you're eating foods that are, are you, should not be, you should be eating seasonally. You should not be eating foods that are grown in the summer. So some of the winter foods and the autumn foods like squash, is, squash and hemp, 
those are the things you should be eating. Those will warm you. And if you put warming um, spices with them, such as cayenne pepper, or if you put uh, ginger in them and garlic and scallions and things like that, that will warm you tremendously. You also might want to eat raw oats. You just don't know all, the, all that's available. That's a problem. You can eat sprouted or raw buckwheat for, um, in the morning. You can have almond milk. Almond milk is one of the best things for you to have and to make. You can also warm the food in a dehydrator, or as I said earlier in the show, you could also use a slow cooker and just heat it for a short time as well if you're ready. It's just an addiction. You're used to thinking the food is warm. The truth of the matter is if you're cooking food, by the time you get through, not and get it's all cold. It's all warm and room temperature anyway, which is what the foods that I make are room temperature. But you can also warm it if you want to at the very end. Just don't cook it. Or, and if you want to do that, then just put it in a slow cooker where you're not going to lose a lot or warm it in a dehydrator. And this is, by the way, something I highly recommend. And that can be also put in a slow cooker or heated also in the dehydrator without losing any of the beneficial effects of it. I'm Robert Rogers, and this is Parkinson's Recovery. You're listening to my interview with Dorette. You can always listen to any of my radio programs live if you don't have a computer by calling the following number, 347-945-5358. If you have a computer, you can, of course, always listen through the computer without having to listen through your phone. Many people do not have computers, so spread the word if you simply call that number, 347-945-5358, at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, that's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursdays, you can listen to these incredible interviews live. You can also listen to any of my previously aired radio programs by visiting the radio program page and scroll back. We've got programs every week now for an entire year, and you will find remarkable ideas from remarkable individuals. Dr. Suzanne Jonas will be a guest in a program that I will air this month. Dr. Jonas will be talking about the results of a study she has been doing in uh, giving people a sounding CD, in other words, uh, using sounds and music to be able to heal and address the symptoms of Parkinson's. She's getting quite fascinating results, and we'll be talking about those on that particular radio show. Dr. Jonas has also just created a music medicine CD for restless leg syndrome. So she'll be also talking with us about that particular CD. Her work, I think, is really groundbreaking in making significant inroads to discovering natural, safe, and effective ways that give individuals relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. You've been listening to this program now for about an hour and 15 minutes, and I have a home run for you. I have one last segment I'm going to play for you in my previously recorded interview with Durrett. It's the question that basically says, okay, let's summarize uh, in short order what's really important for anyone to know, what action you really need to take. It's quite an amazing answer. You have made so many quite fascinating suggestions and recommendations. I've got a list of 20 things I need to change in, in my own lifestyle. <laughs> 
if we uh, if we pare it down, so people have listened to this discussion, and and if they're like me, they're motivated to make some changes in their life. What one or two big time recommendations would you make? Things that people with the symptoms of Parkinson's really ought to do, uh, and really ought to take action on now. Never take a bath or shower without putting on the massage oil before or after the warm sesame, coconut, or the organic mustard oil. That is crucial, and also to add hemp to your diet and change the salt. That's free. Change the salt, either Hawaiian sea salt, Portuguese sea salt, or calcium. So not the the white salt that most people use and sprinkle on their food. That's not a good idea. No. No, not, not, it's not just not a good idea, but it is actually creating illness in the body. And it's very clear to me that if people will begin to take action on your recommendations, uh, they are going to find relief from the symptoms that they've been experiencing. So, Durant, I just want to say thank you so much for uh, being being with us today during this fascinating discussion. Thank you very much, Robert. I really congratulate you on this very important work that you're doing. I think it's so necessary. So I would love to, I'd love to support you in whichever way. So it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And that's what's happening at Parkinson's Recovery on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the men are handsome and all the women are smart and all the children are loved. Know that you are on the road to recovery. Good day. <laughs>